Now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes in Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. Joshua. Yes, Adam. Uh, you know what's interesting is that I think you're very integrative in that you teach what you're working on in your own life. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, Which is nice because you don't feel, I don't feel like you have to feel stuck to like repeating the same system of what you're teaching. No. No, no. So, I mean, some people like they figure out a formula and they're like, this is what I teach every time. Oh, okay. That's a different way of approaching it. They're like, this has been tried and tested and true. And this works all the time. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know what I think it's about? Mm. I think it's like, I have a technology that works. Someone said that to me recently about Kundalini yoga. That's that. I was just going to say that that is one of the mm, sound bites that is used in terms of explaining what Kundalini yoga is about. It's just very interesting to me, the word technology. It is. It's like we've figured out the process, the technological process that's repeatable for everyone. Mm -hmm. For a certain result. For a certain result. It's just interesting to me because... And if you apply this for for this problem, you will get this result, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I don't know anything about Kundalini Yoga, Mm -hmm. but... Yes? uh, It just, yeah, it strikes me a little out of sync with most spiritual traditions I've encountered. Okay. Well, because there's, there's the element of it. Mm, there's always this element of, of science and religion and going head to head as like, as opposed to being complementary. And one actually, and one explaining it just in different terminology. A lot of the work that I hear Dr. Joe and some other people of that, uh, Greg Brandon um, and some other people of that ilk um, Yogi Bhajan's, you know, uh, Kundalini Yoga, specifically, is that they're constantly working on language that bridges that gap so that both can be true. So uh, Marianne Williamson talks about it too. How um, people talk about um, the true self, you know, and people are talking about like your higher self, or and in scientific terms they talk about like. You know where your brain is, like the middle, the what's it called, the what, the the, the, the amygdala, the, the the frontal lobe is more activated, and the and the primal brain is less activated. So there's all there's all these different ways of describing the same phenomena or the same experience, and so using language to do that. That's what I'm, that's what I'm familiar with. I think what I wonder about sometimes with that, and we've kind of got a little off topic here, so we'll get back to our topic shortly. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm always looking for the ways to integrate, but yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Is that most, many spiritual traditions I've encountered, mm-hmm. there's this element of, uh, surrender mm-hmm. and acceptance and not pushing for any particular outcome. And meaning it's a trust based. If I do, if I act as a moral person, if I engage and move from a place of love, if I do these breathing exercises, this pranayama, if you're a kundalini yogi, then I have trust that they will take me where I need to go in my life, right? Uh, but I'm not tied to that outcome. 
In fact, part of my commitment to my spiritual tradition is not to be tied to any outcome, but to live in total trust. And I guess you're always balancing both ends of that. You're always balancing like needing, like doing these things so that they bring more peace to yourself, but also living in acceptance of wherever these take me at. That's, I accept that. Because no quote unquote technology is appropriate for every person. There's, there's not, yeah, there's, see, I don't see that as a spiritual well, you could see it as spiritual. You could see it as religious. I don't see it as religious. It's a certain way of, of of approaching life. Let's put it that way. And so you could say it from a. You could use scientific terminology, or you could use uh, religious or spiritual te- uh, uh, te- terms. Yeah. And I feel like um, all those things are true because you can have all the intention in the world. But if you don't remain open to other possibilities, in layman's term, you'll you'll just be knocking your head against a brick wall. Mm. So why would you do that? And that becomes like a character trait. If because I always think of character trait because of our show and what we what we yeah. do. But you know that stubbornness. It's like I'm stubborn. But but then uh, if you go into a place where you have more possibilities and more choices, and you're not so mm, rigid which some people could say is surrender, but another person could just say that it's, it's a certain amount of openness or, or, mm. or agreeability, being more agreeable or dealing with what is. Right. So I don't see it as innately uh, 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 an innate conflict. To, to look at sort of pra- practice as a technology that produces a result. Yeah, I don't look at it as an either-or situation. I look, at it as, um, I look at it as really like just dealing with with what's present in, in, in my life and, and everyone's life. Everyone has hopes and dreams. And then how you go about, you know, uh, attaining that, the fulfillment of that, let's say fulfillment, fulfilling those hopes and dreams is, is really what makes a character a character. I think that's true. I think in some days I think about it like, it's not that you don't have the intention to do a practice and get to some experience that you prefer in your life, mm-hmm. some state of being, mm-hmm. make better choices. Mm-hmm. It's more that if you don't get to those places, you remain open to whatever that teaching is. You know, maybe it means you need to go in a new direction. Maybe it needs you need to try something else. Maybe it needs you need to recommit to the practice. Whatever it is, you just don't. I think it's more that. It's how you respond to the result rather than maybe the promise of the result, the expectation of the result. Yeah, that's a huge part of all of this. And to get... I, I either I either I either go after what's possible. I, I'm either see this has to do with character too. I, I always bring it home, but it, it's true. Um, is your character more mm, more mm, driven by? Or, let, let me say it this way: Does the character spend more time in the past or in the future? Are you talking about the specific character that wants something out of a spiritual practice? Sure, I'm, I'm talking about my character, your character, or or the character that you're writing for your narrative. To me, it doesn't make a difference because they're all... I think similar. a lot of these characters that we're quote-unquote describing mm-hmm. who are seeking something from a spiritual process are spending a lot of time in the future. Okay, and there's some people, and just as a different way of looking at it, there's some people that are, are doing it because of the past. 
traumas they're trying to let go of. Yeah, they're trying to let go of something that happened in the past, and that's and it's distracting them from being present. So they they feel like they need to clear up something in the past. And some people have so much fear of something that's going to be coming in the future. Yeah. Or they have so much hope. They have so much hope around something that they want to have, and they ha- and yet at the same time they have so much doubt that that also prevents them from sure. being here and Absolutely. now. So in that way, we're all the same. And so, and so how we work with that, do we, do we, uh, do we become mutable or do we, or do we become fixed in some ways? It's very binary in terms of how we approach it. Do we believe that can happen or do we not believe in it? We can happen because either way we'll make ourselves right. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are some famous quotes. I don't know who says things like that, but, but, but either way, we're going to be right. And either way, whatever we believe will affect or and infect how it works out, how it quote unquote works out. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that's true. I think what you say is like the expectation impacts your experience and the outcome, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring it back to your teaching because they came back to this point, which is like, I've, as I've watched you teach, you go with whatever is present for you and whatever you're working on. I, and I also go with what's present in the room too. I, I really do my best to be present with what is sure. and, and not just in the, in the teaching room, but hopefully in all of, hopefully life. All of life. Yeah. That's my intention. Like not, not needing to force what you have to teach on, on an experience on the room, but rather respond to yeah. what are them. So, you're teaching a new class and I wanted to ask you about it because it's something that I think a lot and this class is going to deal with, you can tell me more, but it's going to deal with what you do before you sit down to write. Yes. It's going to start with, um, priming. And I feel like a lot of times that we, mm, as a culture expect us to be able to just write on demand or just to create on demand. And I I don't know exactly where that comes from, but I don't feel like it's the best possible way to approach and to uh, open up and to explore and to work with different ways of changing states of being uh, with thoughts and feelings, sound and movements, in order to get to a place where when I write, and notice I didn't say sit down and write because you can write standing up, Um, but you get to a place where you're writing, where you're creating from a place of overflow and, and the overflow is happening and and the creativity is already flowing through your veins and you're just like, some people say, oh, I'm just taking notes or I'm just writing it down. What's coming through or however you want to say it inspired. Um, and it's great to be in that place. And there's also a place just to be in, in a place of overflow without it coming through and just having it come through with ease and grace. Uh, I, I feel like that's accessible for everyone. Yeah, and I think, you know, we were talking about this before, this idea of practice and technology and all those things. I think that most people who are trying to get away from this, I just wake up and I go to my desk at 8 a.m. every morning and I start typing. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us are experimenting with ways to enter into a state of being where we're open, we're creative, we're allowing, we're exploring, and we're not really pushing as much as exploring mm. story, you know, exploring whatever needs to come out. And I mentioned this because I don't think that this is taught very widely. You know, certainly if I remember creative writing classes I've taken uh, either in college or outside of college, 
just, you know, local classes, there really is almost no discussion of this topic. It's just like, here's a writing prompt, go home and work on it. And mm-hmm. it's even worse than that sometimes. Sometimes it's like, bring me the next five pages of your script or the next chapter of your novel and, mm-hmm. and we'll workshop it. Mm-hmm. And that's how most creative stuff works. Very little of it is, let's spend 30 minutes talking about how you prepare to sit down to write. Yeah. You know, or stand yeah. up. I think I was thinking, as you were saying that, I think Nabokov wrote standing up on note cards. I love it. So he didn't use a typewriter to my, maybe he wrote on a typewriter, but it was always note cards. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, Find your way. This is a creative process. It's not like a fixed, a fixed thing where someone's going to give you a template and you just reproduce. This is about getting to know you, you, the artist. So is that what you're going to work with your students on in this class? That this idea of like, um, figuring out what their process should be before they write? We're going to open up different ways of approaching it. And then through that process, they'll find out whether that feeds them or not. Yeah. And, and you, you do have to, you know, fully commit and jump into the, to the deep end of the pool and have some fun. And, you know, it's definitely an enjoyable experience, of course. Um, and then finding what it is that works for you. And this is what some people leave out, which is what works for you and the project that you're working on. Because yeah. every project has different requirements, different demands, different things that are needed. Like, for instance, one of the things that we're definitely going to explore, which is because, um, uh, you know, this is not technical writing. This is, uh, you know, predominantly for story, is to really get into the state of being of the character before you write. Because it's like, if you're not getting into, if you're not looking through the eyes of, if you're not, you know, living in that person's space, in that headspace, seeing the world the way they see the world, their hopes and dreams, their fears and secrets, their state of being in that scene, their state of being in that scene, as you prepare to write for it, how are you going to get to an emotional truth? So I have a question there, because I agree 100%. And for people who are just writing solo, do you have suggestions about how they can get into the state of being of their main character or of, of even the material in front of them before they start working? Yeah, I mean, it's, dare I say, it's required. Sure, you can have writing sessions that are technical based. You can have, and you can go through material uh, from an external perspective. You can go, so I want to make a distinction. There's, there's, there's the writer, or you know, then there's the the character, and then there's the mm, the super creative, the, the 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 person that sees beyond what the writer's seeing, perhaps if you want to look at it that yeah. way. So there's three different mm, perspectives to be entering your story from in terms of what it is that you're working on for that narrative. And so when I'm when I'm working from the point of view of the character. I really have to go to a space where I only know what the character knows. If I, if I write the character, if I write from the character's perspective, if I'm writing from the character's perspective, knowing what the writer knows, I'm screwed. Mm. And so there's a, there, there, we need to find processes just to live in that world of that character. Yeah. Of their limitations, of the, what they perceive to be the options available to them, of what they want in a given situation, what they're willing to give up to get it, you know, all those questions. I think it would also be helpful just to make it a little kitchen sinky brass taxes, just to talk a little bit about like what you and I each do. 
yeah before like what what our priming is and we're using this word prime to say well, like what are the practices we do to get into our space of writing um and i'm happy to start like there are a few things that i do before i sit down to write um it's one of them is sometimes called brain gym exercises which are brain gym is a system of of movement used in education a lot and they're physical movements i do actually uh and i can put a note in the show notes about them but like there's some specific movements i do that actually focus me and they're movements that i will do sometimes with uh, people I'm working with for creative coaching and are, like, are, are they hard movements or can anyone can anyone do it? are very simple movement cross okay. lateral movements breathing movements it, the whole sequence takes like three four minutes oh that's all because okay. I don't have a ton of time right? all right so you're you're efficient man yeah, I don't have oh and I want to be able to do things reliably I think the other thing is probably meditation is something I don't even think about as a priming but I it's rare that I would sit down to write in the morning without doing some meditation in the morning mm-hmm. uh there are some ritual-esque things that I probably do around making drinks, things like that. Candles? Are candles involved? Here? Yeah, candles. Candle wax. Candle My wax. chest yeah. burning <laughs> so I can feel. Yeah, black cats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, yeah. So, no, seriously, what, 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 kind of, what kind of ritual? So you beverages, like, like stimulating beverages, calming beverages, what? I think uh, I, you know, when I used to get fancy, it would be like homemade almond milk. Ooh. With a little bit of chocolate melted in, mixed with rooibos tea. That was like a that was my me. That's me in my heyday. I don't know if I have I'm time. I'm there, man. I'm I'm knocking on I'm your not, door. I'm not Josh Townsend. I don't have that much time to do that. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, these days, it's just sometimes it's a little green tea with a little half and half, which I know is unorthodox. I have some weird beverage choices with tea because I don't <laughs> drink coffee. Okay. Because I can't handle caffeine. Uh, I think there's that. Um, those are sort of the foundational things. I actually am looking. I'm jealous. I'm not going to be able to take this class because I um, I would love to work on foundations because I think it makes such an enormous difference. And you usually can tell because there are moments you feel like you're banging your head against the wall. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those are moments you usually are. I think that's a sing- signal to me that I'm closing down a little bit in my creativity. Yeah. I'm trying to figure something out rather than explore the character and what the story's about right so oh my god i'm getting this right now fresh and that is if you're banging your head against the wall say yes to that mm-hmm. and do a, a writing session immediately on how your character's banging their head against the wall and so you're going to use that anger and frustration and that in that's real time for you and you're going to run it through the filter of the character you're going to get to some gold yeah you know it's really working with that with what is right and that's like another layer of like writing your character's 12 year old journal and you know looking at their dreams their literal dreams when they were like nine like what they dreamt about and like all that sort of depth work i feel like which it's is another when you're stuck it's like okay i don't know what's going to quote unquote happen next so maybe i should just really try to get into the heart of who this this human being is See, that kind of stuff to me is so valuable. And the trick is, is that you cannot, mm, you cannot, you not, can't do it two ways. You can't do the, do that work and then go, okay, that work's done and put it and put it in a file and never look mm-hmm. at it again. And then you can't also on the same side, you can't do that work and go, okay, now how am I going to use this? <laughs> like, oh, that dream she had when she was nine about one day falling in love. I'll put that in 
the second act there'll be a flashback yeah she'll have the actual dream right right you can't yeah. do yeah. you can't you can't do either end but what you can do is keep it alive and then i call it hunt hunt for the possibility of where some of this other material might just be perfect and right. slide in like at a choice point or a, something of that ilk exactly right and and um like uh, I'll, I'll share this. This is actually one of the most valuable uh, ones I'm going to share right now. And that is, if you're looking at a character that's over the age of you know, 25 or whatever, make a, make a choice point for your character as to who was, who was the role model that your character had growing up. Gotcha. So did she watch um, Wonder Woman? Mm. Did she watch um, TV shows? And if so, what characters? Uh, um, Harry Potter, was there a character in Harry Potter that the character identifies with? So whoever their role model is, is, is a, a hint, uh, a peek into who they really feel they are on the inside. Yeah. You know, Michael Cimino, who... Uh directed the movie deer hunter hmm. said that ideally you should know everything in your character's wallet mm -hmm. and i think that's another thing of what we're saying is like knowing mm -hmm. the complexity of a, of a character one other thing on the priming and because i, I want to ask you what you do in the morning Joshua. and and then I, I want to follow up on that because i feel like that's really important because like that's one of the things that we it's details so i i just gave an example of something that was foundational for the character in the past that it might be still present in today and the what's in your character's wallet or in the purse or whatever that is or on their desk or by their nightstand is equally valuable because if if the person um Let's say the person uh, uh, lost all their money and now they don't have. A, they have to sell their car and they have to take the bus. Yeah. Did they have a bus pass in their wallet? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's those kinds of details. And then if so, is it is it a day pass? Is it a month pass? Like. Yeah. No, I know. It's always frustrating because sometimes Josh and I will talk to a story I'm working on, and he'll start asking me these questions, and I won't know the answer to them. Uh. Like really detailed question, like, you know, like. Um, who was her best friend in high school or like okay that's unfair yeah, but that's like unfair, but that's yeah. unfair but you will ask like what was she yeah. doing before the scene right right you know mm -hmm. and I won't know the answer to that question because I hadn't thought it through and uh, you know you can never know the answers to all these questions mm -hmm. but they do ask you to scratch a part of your, your brain I want to go back to priming because I okay. know that's it yes um, and I'll just say one other thing I take cold showers a lot um, okay mini tramp okay do mini tramp mini tramp <laughs> What does that even mean? I jump on a, on, a, on a rebounder, but it looks like a mini trampoline. Oh, a mini trampoline. That's yeah. good. Okay, so back to Joshua. <laughs> Joshua, what do you do to help you get into the state of being to be creative when you're working? Well, I have a couple of different things depending upon when it is that I'm going to be doing my session. So if I do the session in the morning, I really like to do um, what I call my holy trinity. Dun, 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 dun. First, um, so the first levitate and rise yeah. like Christ. Yes, there you go. Okay, so my so. first is is to take a relatively cold shower, because that really like gets me here and now. Yeah. Then my next thing is to do, you know, anywhere from ten, fifteen ish minutes of of yoga, and ten, fifteen minutes ish of my rebounder. So physically activating myself, and then I make a beverage. 
And then that beverage is, you know, of course, come on, what is it going to be, you know? So much complexity. Yeah, it's cacao-based. If they though. sold it publicly, it would be like $1,000. Yeah, it's it's pretty out there. It's like all the medicinal mushrooms <laughs> and the cacao and the almond butter. And, um, so I have a question. So those are all beautiful and then, things. And, and, then, and then I sit down and, and, I, and I go to work or I write. And based on what it is, and then the other thing that's really helpful for me is, is writing, if, if, if I can, write write what it is that i want to work on the night before oh yeah yeah a, a prompt or the area that i'm going to explore or whatever it is so that when i when i land in the chair i already have a point of focus sure sure can i just ask a question so like you do all your physical exercises you make your drink the night before you ask the question like what is it that jericho truly wants in the scene with the dragon right but, oh and my yoga does include pranayama just and know. breathing okay. breathing yeah. pranayama mm-hmm. How do you, does, is that enough for you to get into the perspective of the character? It really depends upon what I'm working on. So if I'm working on a very specific scene with a very specific emotional state of being, then I'm going to take a few minutes to actually uh, prime myself by getting into that state of being with a sound and a movement. So if, if it's anger and frustrated, I need, to, I, need, I need to somehow tap into anger and frustrated. So I need to be able, well, that goes into a whole other thing, which is called exit and enter freely. I need to be able to be so tuned to myself as a creative artist that I can create anger and frustration and be able to enter into that state and exit that state freely. Meaning that I can go in, have the fun that I have in that state of being, and then leave with as little residue on my mm, human beingness as possible so that I'm not dragging around anger and frustrated the rest of the day. It's truly created in the moment for the moment. Right, but you're saying something, when you say sound and movement, I think what Josh means is he gets out of his chair or he does it in his chair, yeah. but that he, he makes a physical gesture with his body and a sound that is anger. Yeah, I activate something that, I activate my body and my and making sounds, a sound, a sound that, like grr, like grr sound yeah. is definitely, you know, visceral and, and then, predatorial. And then I make a physical gesture with my whole body that's sort of maybe contracted. Like, So you if know. you're searching for the choice that the character is needing to make in that scene or the words that are going to come out, mm-hmm. you feel like that sound and movement helps you get closer to that reality. Yeah, because people even say like spitting mads, right? Yeah. So spitting mads. So something that's going to get me to help me to alter my state of being other than the state of being that I'm in because it may not attract to what the characters are in. Absolutely. If I'm doing that kind of writing and that kind of scene work, sometimes it's, it's, it's a different kind of work. Sometimes it's like, mm, let, me, let me spend the next 15 minutes uh, reviewing what I wrote, you know, leading me into the scene and I need to like kind of get the, the feel of what's happening. And that's, yeah. that's a different requirement. Yeah, I mean, I think I do a lot of that. I read the scene before yeah. the last five, 10 pages. There are some really crazy people like Eric Roth who reads from page one every day of the script he's working on. Um, I imagine he's a pretty quick reader because <laughs> I could get cumbersome if you're on page 80 or like he, where you could, a lot of them, wow. a lot of those writers write, will write a 200 page script to figure out what the story is. I think Scott Frank is famous for writing like 300 page scripts because he's just trying to figure out what the story's about. And he's getting everything out. So he'll write scene after scene. That's, but, but that's so, I mean, I, I, I get it because that's, you're working for distillation and that is so challenging to get disti- that kind of, that level of distillation, that kind of um, precise, that kind of, um, what's the word? 
precision, clarity. Yeah, it's just it's it takes a lot to get it's clear. Generous with your time and your energy to say, you know what, I'm going to explore every facet and go down all these alleys without even being worried about what the final story is. Just really being interested in mm-hmm. the story mm-hmm. and the stories. You know, not mm-hmm. you know. I think you have to be so open to work like that. You know. It's mm-hmm. really, and those people I hear who are able to work like that, there's a certain sense that they're willing to enter fully into the world of those characters, really honestly, 24 hours a day for a period. Mm-hmm. You know, they usually putting in long hours and they're living in one project yeah. dedicated for a long time. Yeah. And not everyone has that luxury, but it is cool to see because it really means like, you're really curious about the characters in the story. You really go in there. You're not trying to work it out. You know, you're not trying to figure out the plot. You're not trying to figure out the un- the cool thing that happens that makes it, a, gives it a twist. You're really just actually like, who are these people and what is interesting about their behavior and their interactions and their relationships with themselves and one another? And what is what are the interesting things that are going to arise in their life that are going to push them in new directions? And wh- how do we make that compelling to watch? Yeah. So... Yeah, and you know, as you're sharing that with me, I'm just thinking, God, it really comes down to those those choice points. Yeah, you know that that the writer loads the script with laden, yeah, and uh, and then the actor needs to recreate it um, as if for the first time and make it compelling. Yeah, I, I'm having this weird image right now of just someone like holding a cup and making a decision. It's almost like the, the, the Caesar thing where he puts the thumb up or down to life or death. Oh, right. And, and that's basically, you know, we as audiences, that's all we want. We would just want binary. We just want people to make decisions. You know, will I, will I, will I marry her? Will I marry her or will I not marry her? Will she ask for the divorce or will she stay? Right. You know, that's, uh, and then the rest of it is just collateral damage. Just kidding. Judge, <laughs> uh, where, What's the deal with your class? Yeah, class. So uh, class is on Thursday nights. It's six Thursday nights in a row. It's in downtown Los Angeles at a beautiful venue. Um, uh, I'm actually going to get to the venue early, and uh, people are invited to come join me for dinner beforehand. But the class is from 6.30 to 9.30. uh, And uh, we'll be doing some writing, but we're really going to be focusing in on on, uh, how the artist slash writer shows up for their art. Uh, and um, and how that can impact uh, volume uh, and quality of material because I, I want both and I also don't want to think that writers can can only write with pen and paper or with their fingers it's with words I mean we can we can write with speech because of where we live in, in a time where we can easily transcribe work so I want to open doors to that too and, and have jam sessions where we write uh, standing up and speaking it out loud, and then you know, as homework, yeah. we take it back and we we retool it. Yeah, we certainly have friends who who write into their phones. Yeah, uh, and do really beautiful work. This I mean, is such I, an opportunity. I know people who do whole TV shows doing memos into really? into phones. It's like you know, yeah. it's it, and you know, it's not about what. It's not about how we're going to do that. It's about it's about what we want to create and then figure out how how it works for us. Yeah. Into in 2019-2020. This class is just such a cool opportunity to figure out what your creative process can be, and it's something that you can take with you for years to come. Mm-hmm. And 
learning that so that you are enjoying your creative work more that you have a reliable process that you can go back to and feel really inspired by and then you could do it in community with other other artists Mm -hmm. such a cool opportunity and in a great space yes this has been notes on your notes facebook and instagram are where you can find us and importantly because october 20th we have our second anniversary party with stories and vegan food and amazing things and it's all going to happen downtown it's going to be a private party. You need to DM Joshua on Facebook or Instagram for the address. Uh, and so we'd love you to do that. You can also rate us on Apple Podcasts and the iTunes store. It's always helpful. Or send us an email for a topic, for a story, uh, for an episode, excuse me. So if there's just something you're wondering about, email us. We've done we've done questions on the air before. That's notes on your notes at gmail.com. The music on today's show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. The sound designer is me. We'll talk to you next week.